Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Cubby blue blood flowing through our veins. Sitting in the bleachers in the rain. We've shed a million tears and drank as many old style beers out at the game. Let's go, Cubby Sun Rental. Michael Cotton. Sun Rental. Michael Cotton. Sun Rental and the lovable Lucy. Boutros Golly. Michael. Sun Rental. Hey, this is the Sun Ranto Show. I am Danny Rocket, and um, I'm joined here with a very special Cubs mind and uh, blogger, writer. Uh, his name is Evan Altman, and um, I don't know. I just I love everything he writes. Uh, it keeps me informed about the Cubs, and um, he's the uh, brains behind Cubs Insider. And so, welcome, Evan. Hey, I- thanks for thanks for having me on. I think this is my my second time on and, and uh, you know, too, too far in between. So looking forward to uh, answering some questions and, and talking a little bit of Cubs as it's single digits and uh, there's really nothing else going on. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I thought I was thinking about uh, Cubs Insider and I always say in my brain, Cubs Inside Her. And I always yeah. think that you should have a logo of a pregnant bear. That would be that would be something. Yes. Uh, we could we could go with that. Uh, I'll, I'll let you I'll let you put together the artwork. Maybe we just, we set up like the uh, the mock site on the other one, and then we I, I could use that as like my humorous pen name <laughs> stuff that I couldn't otherwise publish under my own name. Right? Do you have a pen name like uh, Wackadoo McConnell or something like that? I I used to when I first got into there's a, a now defunct site uh that, that did like kind of sports and humor and i wrote under the the pen name clark sheffield um so that you know now i've outed myself so i guess i've got to come up with a new one yeah no now we're all gonna know it's you like mark twain yeah right damn that samuel clements we figured him out <laughs> <laughs> so let's get right into the breaking news of the moment if there is such a thing on uh, january 29th I mean, December 29th. It's that uh, Wade Davis just signed with the Rockies for 50 million bones and uh, three years. Um, Now, let me ask you this, because, I mean, we already knew he was gone. You know, he was a free agent and he was likely to go somewhere else. But I think that Cubs fans had just kind of a feeling that, oh, no, Wade Davis must have loved playing in Chicago. He's going to accept it for $8 million a year, and he'll stay as long as we need him. Um, were you surprised by this? Or, I mean, I mean, the, were you surprised by the money? What is your uh, knee-jerk reaction, your hot take? 
Yeah, so it's, it's, it's really what's, what's kind of odd is, yeah, I think on one hand, a lot of people thought he was going to resign for like on the cheap. And then there's other ones. I, I've had a lot of takes on our Facebook and Twitter accounts, both that are like, oh, the Cubs are being cheap. How could they let him go? I'm like, the Rockies just gave a 32 year old closer who kind of faded down the stretch a little bit. I mean, he's, he's very good, but I think the Wade Davis we saw in the second half of the season was not the same dominant pitcher we saw for the first half and, and into July some. But they gave him the highest average annual value of any reliever ever. Ever. <laughs> it's like record-breaking. I know. Yes, like $17.3 million a year. Like, I want nothing to do with Wade Davis at that at that price. Yeah. Uh, and, and the Rockies, like, got – really they got totally wackadoo with the money though. I was just, I I tweeted something out earlier, but they have committed something like $45 million annually to five relievers, 45 million (laughs) over the next two seasons. And I think this year alone is like 36 million to three guys. They got Brian Shaw and, uh, and now it's escaping me who else they, uh, they signed, but it's like, okay, that's cool if you want to have Davis there. But, oh, hey, by the way, the Cubs have got some other relievers. They don't need to be paying the closer $17 million a year to get worse over the next three years. It just it, it blows my mind. So I'm I'm totally fine with him being gone at that price. I, I mean, I guess the word is out that you need a, a really strong bullpen to compete in the postseason. And the Rockies are putting together a strong bullpen, but uh, they're probably massively overpaying for it. And if anything goes wrong, they don't have the money to fix it. Right, and they, yeah. they don't have much of a rotation. And oh, by the We lost you. I, I, I lost. Sorry. I lost my, you for my a alarm, moment. My alarm just started going off to tell me that I was uh, that I was going to be doing a call with you. So I'm uh, I'm fixing that. Oh, right you now. better go and get on that call then. <laughs> I know. So uh, I'll see you later. I got to go talk to Danny. All right. Cool. Sounds good. I'll talk to you later, Evan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it just it sounds like uh, they overpaid, and I mean, they, it's. But are you? Um, I mean, granted, you don't want the Cubs to to do uh, anything with uh, seventeen million dollars in Wade Davis. But it brings up the question, because I think that people thought that he, there was still a chance that he would come back and close for us. But Yeah, um, and I, I do so think, now who? you know, now there's who? something to be said for having a, having a legit closer. Somebody as dominant as he was for much of the year, uh, you know, for the Cubs last year and for the – he was on the Royals before that, right? Yep. Yeah, and, and was for them then. But it brings, you know, up the question – so who? Who's going to close? I mean, Morrow really hasn't closed too much. I mean, I know he's got a couple saves under his belt, but that's not – he's been a seventh, eighth inning guy. And then C-Sheck has closed in the past, but, I mean, it's kind of a bit of a wild card. We don't really know what we're getting here. So um, I don't know. What, what do you think? I mean, and, then you, and then the third guy that you've got to wonder about is uh, Carl Edwards Jr., like – now, now who? Because we're it's going to be a new guy now. Yeah, and and I think that's that's kind of you know unless and I suppose there's you know an outside shot that maybe they go after Greg Holland, who had been in in uh, Denver, who was the closer in Kansas City prior to Wade Davis. Uh, it was you know went out with uh, with Tommy John, uh, came back and had a really nice campaign in uh, in Denver. And so there, you know, there are still some possibilities that they could add, but but I think, you know, and I know Theo Epstein has said, 
he does for all his kind of newfangled beliefs, if you will. He he does like the idea of having a a set closer, uh, given the mentality of some of those guys. You know, I I think at this point you kind of pencil Morrow in as that clubhouse leader to sort of take that role. Uh, Steve Ciszek, as you said, has handled it before. I'm not sure about Edwards' kind of mental fortitude and consistency. You know, he's kind of that two great games one bad game sort of a guy, and, and that's not really who you want closing the door. you know. But I kind of wonder in if they go forward and don't commit that kind of big money to a closer, I don't want to say they'll do it by a committee, but I, I do think you're going to see a situation where Morrow is the primary closer, but that they're going to kind of play it by ear as far as let's use some guys in terms of these high leverage spots. If there's a seventh inning or an eighth inning spot where, hey, we need our best pitcher, you're going to see that going by matchups rather than just these set, like you're the seventh inning guy, you're the eighth inning guy. Um, but I really think ultimately they'd love to see Dylan Maples be able to get enough of his command together to use that nasty slider cutter fastball combo that he's got to get out there and, and really take over the ninth inning. So if he can take that role, now you're talking about, Hey, not only do they not have to pay 16 to $18 million a year for the closer, that they don't have to trade two or three prospects every year for one either. And now you've got a guy on a rookie contract closing games, uh, which would provide him tremendous value and flexibility as far as the rotation goes down the road. So I think that would be the ultimate goal. But going forward, uh, I still say it's kind of a committee right now. Yeah, it it kind of reminds me of um, kind of a, a better bullpen than, let's say, 2015. That was a kind of a cobbled together bullpen that ended up uh you know kind of succeeding uh beyond their expectations but um it, it, it surprises me that you say somebody like dylan maples i mean that's kind of an unheard of thing to have a a rookie be considered a, a closer like right away um he had a cup of coffee with the cubs uh last year and uh do you think that that's a real possibility I mean, as an option? I, I do. I, I, you know, if you look at kind of what he did to get it together, and, and oddly enough, and I don't know how well it speaks, you know, obviously I think we're all well aware that the Cubs have had a really hard time developing pitchers, um, you know, over the course of, of Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer's tenure. Uh, part of that, I think, you know, with Maples, he's got a triple-digit fastball, and they wanted him to pitch off that fastball. The guy was almost out of baseball. Like, he almost gave up because he wasn't, you know, he couldn't maintain health. He wasn't pitching well when he was out there because their plan for him was to pitch off that fastball. Well, once he started going backwards and pitching off the breaking stuff and using that fastball as, as almost an auxiliary pitch, he took off. I mean, we're talking about a guy who went from A ball to the majors in basically one season you yeah. know, who, who went all the way through. So I think there is some mental fortitude to that, to, to see a guy. And that's really, at the end of the day, and I know we, you know everybody's focused on numbers and that sort of thing, but if you're going to close, if you're going to go in there into that high leverage, high pressure situation, you've got to be a guy who can keep his his mental state kind of clear. And and I think Maples is that guy, and he has got the best pure stuff of anybody out there. So I, I you know I don't think they're just going to hand in the role, but I I do think, and we've even seen reports, uh, be it John Heyman, I think a couple other ones that that sources inside the Cubs organization have said he could get a shot at this uh, realistically. And I, and I think that may be part of the reason why they didn't pursue Davis uh, uh, with a little more gusto and why they didn't, you know, go after a Greg Holland or haven't yet is because they think, well, why commit this money 
for two, three, four years down the road when we have a kid right here in house who, if not next year, then the year after could be ready to go. Um, so looking forward, you know, I think that is something that that has factored in their decision so far this winter. And, uh, you know, co- you know, talking about relievers, um, there are some roles. I mean, there's been the last few spring trainings. It doesn't seem like there's been a lot of uh, room available on the team for guys to uh, make the team. This year, it's a little bit different. Um, so Dylan Maples is one name. You have any other uh, any other pitchers specifically that uh, you would think maybe have a chance? Yeah, I mean, I think we saw, you know, at the end of last season, we saw Jen Ho Seng uh, come up and, and kind of get a, a chance to start. You know, that may depend on, okay, do they end up signing Darvish? Does does Alex Cobb's asking price come back down so that they go and, and sign that fifth starter? Or are they going to go into it and kind of – let Montgomery try to duke it out for that fifth spot again and, and have Singh in there. Um, Dario Alvarez is another guy they signed kind of unheralded uh, who they picked up, who's apparently got some pretty good stuff, hasn't really shown too much of it yet. Uh, he's another one who I think could compete for that spot. You know, you've still got some guys like Eddie Butler and Rob Zastrizny who, you know, do you really want to count on them as a permanent guy on the 25 man? No, but they could provide some of that depth and, and maybe come in and out just knowing what we've seen from this team where they kind of stream those back-end pitchers, you know, and, and uh, as soon as what we had, it seemed like every third day last season was, oh, hey, this guy got called up and he pitched an inning, so now he's being optioned back down and here comes a new guy. And, uh, you know, so I, I think when they break camp, those last two spots are really going to be pretty fungible and they're just going to be able to kind of move those in and out. So, who even gets those, I don't know, is necessarily indicative of who the best pitchers are long-term, more so than just, okay, who do we have here as kind of a backup for what we need for right now, and then that could change in another week. Yeah, sorry, I stopped listening after you said fungible. Yeah, well, that's, that's fine. <laughs> I was like, I'll, I'll continue wow. to, I'll just use that every other sentence yeah. now, and then I'll just, I'll know that everybody tunes yeah, me no, out. It, so it, no, it, it kind of, it just kind of hypnotized me. I just, I, I went, it, it sounded like <laughs> a delicious hostess product. I just went to the gym, so I'm, I'm hungry, you know, so. <laughs> that's, that's a, you know, never, never pod on an empty stomach is what I've been told, so. Yeah, no, it, it's, it, actually, sometimes when you, um, when you eat right before you go on uh, the microphone, you just end up belching through the, uh, the entire podcast. And, <laughs> and I do, good. I do no editing. So it's it, people don't <laughs> like it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, th- it seems like they're going to like kind of cobble it together. And uh, you did kind of bring up the, the elephant in the room of the, the, well, basically the number one, number two starter that we're going to be looking for, uh, you got, and this is, I'm going to take this straight from the, the ranters page where I asked, uh, everybody to ask you questions and, uh, Kevin, Kevin Cook wrote in, he says, uh, your preference around Cobb, Darvish or Arietta, all high priced. Who do you think is the best bargain? I would have put bargain in quotes. Because I don't think, yeah. from what I've heard, that any of it seems like a bargain. But um, no, I mean, it, it, yeah, it, it's like if you go into the Cubs shop right outside Wrigley and like, oh, let's let's find a bargain T-shirt. <laughs> okay, this one's only forty dollars. <laughs> you know, like that's that's cheaper than the others. Um, at this point, I guess I guess which one makes the most sense? Uh, you know, in terms of the economy, you know, the economies of scale here. And, and when we're looking at, 
the reported ask that Arietta has uh, that that the bargaining started, if you will, or the the bidding started at, at six years, one hundred and sixty million. I don't want anything to do with Jake Arietta at that price. Um, I know a lot of folks have, have said, "Oh, he deserves it. He's earned it." And I'm like, mm. "Okay, Jim Hendry, if we start paying guys <laughs> for what they did, he won a World Series. That's cool. He can go somewhere else and try to win another one." But you know, at twenty some odd million, twenty five, twenty six, twenty eight million a year, that doesn't make sense. Now, there's this perception that Darvish is like way younger or or has less mileage or something like that. Uh, but it's only like a five-month difference in their ages, and he's thrown a ton of innings in Japan. However, his velocity hasn't been dropping off. He's got a, a much better pitch mix and a little bit more consistency. Uh, if I'm comparing that to Arietta, I'm going Darvish. If I'm comparing it to Cobb and the $20 million or so that he wants a year, I'm going Darvish. So there you go. Short answer, I'm going Darvish. Yeah, I, I would too. I, I mean, it it seems like it's time for a change too, as well. Um, let I, Evan, I gotta hang up for a moment and get back in because uh, your your uh, audio went all haywire. We were having this problem oh, the other fine. day. I'm gonna come right back. Yeah, it's it's so weird. It turns um every voice into the lollipop guild, but like <laughs> nice. a really demented version. It's like yeah, like you sound kind of like a mix between Froggy from the Little Rascals and uh, literally a lollipop guild munchkin. Oh yeah, so, sweet. Yeah, it's it it it's it's a little de- demonic, especially uh, when you're talking about you know the kind of money that these pitchers are asking for. I mean, has the MLB jumped the shark when it comes to these prices? I mean, I understand that everybody's allowed to ask for whatever they want, but you know, at, at what point is there a little pushback from some of this money? Because to me. It's like Arietta, who didn't uh, get into the seventh last year, um, who didn't pitch into the seventh, is asking for six years and um, a kabillion dollars. You got somebody like you, Darvish, who's um, who's also older, and you're and he wants to also be paid for the back end of his arm. He's already had Tommy John and a lot more mileage on his arm, and then you got somebody like Alex Cobb, who basically nobody's ever heard of. You know, outside of, uh, you know, maybe people that kick the tires on third starters. Yeah, I mean, I mean and I think we're seeing that with the, what we we'll call a soft cap or a luxury tax or, you know, again, different people view it differently. Uh, you, you've got the folks saying this is, you know, artificial wage suppression on the part of the owners. Uh, but I think with this being the first year of these harsher penalties under the luxury tax or the competitive balance tax. You've got a lot of teams like the Yankees have never been under that threshold. They're trying to get under the Dodgers haven't been under in five years. They're trying to get under the Cubs were over a couple of years ago. They've tried to get under and you've got this, you know, the Cubs and, and Astros have kind of created this monster whereby, you know, Hey, if you tank for a few years or whatever you want to call it, if you, suppress your own competitiveness, uh, maybe to use a euphemism, you can actually be better in a few years. And so there's only like a handful of teams. You know, the Reds aren't going out and competing for a starting pitcher, right? Uh, You know, the Brewers might be, but you've got maybe, what, two teams in every division that are legitimately going for it. In in the Central, you've got three. Uh, The Pirates are selling. The Reds suck. 
and so there's this limited market. So you've got a limited market. You've got teams that normally spend trying not to this year. And then you've got aging pitchers wanting a ton of money and an even bigger free agent period next year that everybody's looking forward to. So it's like this weird storm of things going on to kind of suppress that market. And it'll, it'll eventually work itself out, I think. But I, I do believe there's we've kind of reached this tipping point where these salaries can't keep escalating at the rate that they have, or at least, you know, at some point, it's just like the weirdest situation. Maybe next year we'll see it. Everybody's going to get $30 million a year. Um, but my God, everything went wrong. Like this is the worst time for Arietta to have hit free agency. If he had signed two years ago, he'd probably get as much money as what he's going to end up with this year. Well, and it's, it's weird because uh, I mean, you'd think it would be good for him that there's so few quality pitchers, uh, available this year. And then that would up his price, which I think is why he's asking for so much. But then I, I think the same thing that it's reaching some sort of tipping point, but then you see something like today and the three year, $50 million Wade Davis. And you're like, well, some idiot's going to spend yeah. it, you know? And you're like, you know, I guess, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure, um, that everybody in in this collusion of let's say the either the general managers or the owners that it always feels like there's a bit of it you know just it, maybe it's not outright collusion as much as it's um just kind of follow the leader kind of thing um i, I don't know it's it just seems to me that uh you don't want to give somebody like Alex Cobb 20 million um you'd re- if you're going to do that you might as well spend a few million more and get Darvish um but that's it, usually my that's my thought when I go to the grocery store. You know, it's like, hey, I could I could spend, uh, I, I could buy this cheap steak right here, and it, it would still be okay steak. Or, hey, the uh, you know this this nice porterhouse is on sale, or the cowboy ribeye is on yeah. sale, so I'll just spend a couple more dollars and, and get the better steak. Um, you know, at Aldi when it's on the you know going expired or whatever is usually where <laughs> I do my shopping. So yeah. This, ma- I, at Jewel, they have manager specials with a big orange sticker that says "almost poison." Yeah, the Jewels. You can see it's all it's it's almost greenish. It's got the green tinge <laughs> around the end. It's like hey, if I just cut that part off, I'll be fine. Oh yeah, I've done it many times. Um, <laughs> so the follow-up question is: Can the Cubs win the division and go far into the playoffs without one of these three, uh, quote unquote, top line starters available? And I think that's that's the tough part, right? Can they win the division without one of them? Yeah, I think they can. Now, I, I think the Cardinals have closed the gap. Uh, you know, I, I think the although the Brewers haven't really, they've been pretty quiet. Uh, but really, it's a it's a three team division uh, with with two of them basically punting completely on the season. So could the Cubs go through that? Absolutely, because if the offense comes back even close to being, you know, if they can score as many runs as they did last year, but do it more consistently. Uh, you know, instead of going 16 runs one game and then zero and one the next two, you know, I think they'll I think it'll be fine. A few bounce back seasons. However, it's when you get into the playoffs that I think that really hurts them because, you know, again, who's that fifth spot? We don't really know right now. But as we've seen, I, you know, John Lester is not the same pitcher that he was. If you're talking about Kyle Hendricks and Jose Quintana being your one and two. Lester is the three, Chatwood is the four. Is that really a, a four-man rotation that you feel solid with going toe-to-toe with the best lineups in baseball? And I, and I think, you know, I mean, maybe you're 
way more positive than I am on that, but that's not really the group I would like to take in. Uh, and I don't even know if Cobb does anything to that, right? He maybe fills out the back end fills a little bit out, more. Yeah. But somebody like Darvish, if he's on his game, I think does elevate that, you know, both in the regular season and the playoffs. But it's it's the playoffs that I would be more worried about given that roster that they have right now. Yeah, and um, no, I, I completely agree with that. And it, it seems like we're a guy short. Um, it brings up, you know, with Mike Montgomery's comments about uh, wanting to start, you know, why wouldn't he be considered? Um, part of it, I think, is to go with three lefties is a little weird. Um, I don't know if you have an opinion on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's that's part of it. I, you know, but... And I and I know there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of people on both uh, both sides of this, and there's a lot of folks who, oh yeah, Montgomery, really good starter. That's what he should get a chance to do. Uh, but you know, when the Cubs got him, and and perhaps it's just you know again confirmation bias or my desire to be right about it from the start. But when I looked at at who they had gotten when they traded for him, uh, you know, a couple seasons back, okay, here's a guy who, who began his career as a starter, worked through the minor leagues, was was a mediocre at best starter through the minors. Made it up with a you know a relatively bad Seattle Mariners team, was a starter for them, and eventually was just pushed to the bullpen because he couldn't turn lineups over more than once or twice. And and we've seen him have some really good starts for the Cubs, but the one thing that does tend to bite him in the rear end pretty frequently is that he just has a hard time going deep into games as a starter. And if he can be that guy in the bullpen, I just I just feel like okay, you can be a, a decent starter, an okay starter in the back half of the rotation, or you can be a really, really good lefty reliever, long man, you know, working in early in the innings if the starter gets bumped or is, is hurt, you can come in and swing start. I just feel his value to the team is so much greater, and he's a better pitcher out of the bullpen than what he would be out of the rotation. You know, again, I don't think they want to go with three lefties and load it up that way either. But I just feel as far as Montgomery's best value, to the Cubs at least, maybe on another team he'd be a great starter for them. Yeah, he's I mean, a guy that could fill that role. But. Did, I, I feel like they kind of um, overused him as a starter last year, which made him a little bit more ineffective out of the bullpen when he was asked to play that role. He was, I mean, he is so valuable as kind of a, well, he's the swing man, you know, just can go um, either way, but um you know, I, I felt like he ran out of steam uh, in the playoffs, uh, whereas obviously he didn't run out of steam in the playoffs the year before, given right. the fact that he was on the mound when the Cubs won the World Series. But um, so let's let's get to a, a few of these questions. I got I got some curveballs to throw you. Um, Danny Wierzynski really wants to know, and I don't know why he wants to know this so bad. But did did you ever look down while in the locker room after the players got out of the shower? Oh yeah, all the time, right? No, um, <laughs> kind of what you, I would bench to be at a lower level, but uh, no, <laughs> no, I, I, you know, I, I, eyes up, eyes up, baby. Yeah, it's it. In fact, you make almost uncomfortable eye contact in those situations. Right, You're just like, like why are you hey, looking you, into my eyes? <laughs> just, right. Hey, oh wow, I didn't realize you have speckles of green in there. You know, yeah. So just <laughs> just keep them, keep check check hairlines. You know what I mean? Uh, oh, hey, buddy. Uh, yeah. So nope, keep them up, keep them up. And uh, let's see. Let's. Uh, uh, Rosinski also wants to know if you think Rizzo is fat. Oh yeah, dude. He's a he's a giant tub of goo. Uh, <laughs> yeah. How long is he going to be mean, able to do the splits? That's what I want to know. 
Yeah, that's I, every time, and, and I don't care who. It, I mean, I you know, first of all, I you know, groan anytime I see anybody pull that Van Dam business, you know, of uh, doing that. But man, when he reaches out like that, I just keep worrying that like he's going to limp off with his just groin torn in two, <laughs> and then he's done for the rest of the season. I just, I, I man, I because I think back to Mark Grace, where you know, I'm like that. That was like the he seemed like the least athletic person. You know, he just. Puffing on a heater, you know, as he would round first base and, and uh, you know, just sucking back half a pack of Marlboros in between innings. And then he'd be trying to round second base for a triple and pull up with a bad hammy. Like, I'm waiting for, for that to happen as Rizzo ages. But, uh, no, I mean, the dude seems like he's uh, he's in good enough shape to keep on going, I, I suppose, uh, he, as long as he doesn't turn into Gracie. And uh, I think we'll be fine. I mean, he's one of those dudes that you can describe as uh, his hands as meat hooks. And so, yeah. like, he's a big gullabaloop, or however you say that in Italian, gullabaloop, or what is that word? Gullabaloop. I, 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 I think you're, I think you're mixing like five different languages <laughs> at once there. So, it's, this is just that, as you, you say, just walk around in Chicago, and you'll eventually find a neighborhood in which that is a real word. I think uh, somewhere it's a, it's a hybrid. It could be Esperanto. We don't know. There we go. <laughs> um, so John Pickus actually has some serious questions, um, and he wants to know which of the Cubs' young core do you think has peaked? And maybe as a follow-up, uh, do you think it's foolish to trade Ian Happ over the offseason? Which is kind of a similar question. Yeah. Related, so, anyway. You know, it's it's really interesting, actually, because I, I – it's hard to say, uh, honestly, have they peaked? And I, I think we'll know. I think we can really only tell that in hindsight. One of them I'm, I'm a little fearful of is is Javier Baez, um, who, you know, again, and, and none of these are slights to any of these guys. But the thing I fear there is, you know, can he continue to ever, will he ever reach the point where everyone in the stadium, everyone watching and the pitcher, all know with two strikes, I'm going to throw a slider in the dirt and you're going to swing. Um, does that, does he ever mature out of that? Uh, I mean, we've seen, you know, some improvements, but does it stay consistent? Um, you know, Addison Russell worries me. Can his, can his health stay intact? Right. Can he, can he keep the shoulder right? Can he keep the foot right? Um, and we'll sort of see there, uh, you know, can and, he and keep his, is one can he keep his life right? I, yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's. I think that's the other thing, and I think again, whatever we want to talk about, who might be traded, if it's him, I think it's because the team has some legitimate concerns about some of his extracurricular activities. But you know, if we talk about somebody like Hap, I, I I've advocated for a while that like he's that guy who could bring back more in a trade, just because he doesn't really have a spot, and I don't know that he ever will, uh, and that's not a bad thing. Uh, but with a team that's, you know, kind of got uh, too many players to fill spots, you know, maybe his value is in what he brings back because he's not going to be, he's never going to be great at any one position. He's not bad at any of them. I just don't know that it'd be great there. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of wonder if he's better served in what he can bring back if that's enough. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, again, if I had to pick one, I'd say Baez has probably peaked. Uh, not that he'll be on the downside, but that he might have just plateaued. And this is kind of, He's going to be spectacular defense, you know, crazy exciting player who strikes out too much, and that's just who he is. And and there we go. Um, but but yeah, I'd be dead since before he got called up that I thought Hap would be traded for pitching. So I guess I'll stick with that for now until I'm wrong, which I inevitably will be. 
Yeah, I mean, and the the question about Hap is he's he's kind of an under the radar kind of guy too, and you know, obviously he'll be involved in a bunch of big plays, but you just don't really quite notice him that much. So I'm wondering, like, how much? I mean, if you're like, let's say you're. Uh, you're a team, not that the Marlins would do this, but you're a team that's not going to have a good season, but you'd still need people to come to the ballpark. You could, you might give up something major that um, might cost a lot uh, just to like, you know, get rid of the money to take on somebody like a Javier Baez because at least he'll fill the seats. You know, I could see that being a, an aspect of which might have Javi on the move. Of 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 his appeal to a smaller market team, no, I I think absolutely, especially with if you look at kind of how he burst onto the scene at the World Baseball Classic, and uh, you know with the no look tag and the celebration and and all that, and he's just and and even before that, you know the NLCS against the Dodgers, and and so he he is an exciting type of a player that uh, you know his reputation perhaps could garner a little bit more return in a trade than what his actual production would be. Uh, and, and, you know, again, he, the guy can produce. I mean, he can hit. He's got tons of power. If he gets it together, he can hit for pretty decent average. He's fast. He can play multiple positions. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's interesting to see. I would I would be interested to get the take of, of like a major league executive and kind of see how they would value those guys based on that. Would they put any in there or how much that comes from ownership? It's it's uh, it's a complicated mix with some of that stuff, and I think it, it comes down to like, Okay, what do you need more, an, an infielder or an outfielder? Uh, even though Hap, I guess, you know, again, can play a couple of infield, infield positions as well. Uh, but, you know, kind of depends on what the other team is and, and what they need. Well, and then once we get Machado, boy, well, it's, yeah. it's all going to change everything. <laughs> Everybody right, that's, slots that's coming, in differently. Just trade half the, and then, then it's every, every player we've mentioned in here, pretty much. Just, just trade like five guys <laughs> for him and, uh, you know, give them all the pitchers. And Russell and Almora and take them all, you know, and then we'll take this guy for one year, and that that would be perfect. So, and Danny Wozinski, to follow up on the bias thing, writes in: How can the team get bias to stop swinging like a pig? Yeah. That's literally well, how we put it. I mean, <laughs> he said if he just walked, if if he walked just a little, he can be the leadoff guy. I mean, I, maybe. I yeah, I, I mean, and, and I don't know if that's uh, yeah, and, and that's. The real, you know, the sixty-four million dollar question, I guess, is, is can he do that? Probably, it's almost like there were times where I'd be like, "All right, you got two strikes, you're going to take." Like, I'm not even let, I'm not even going to green light you on two strikes because I know that next pitch is going in the dirt. Now, uh, does it always? No, and those guys can make some mistakes, but it, it is there is nothing more frustrating, you know. And, and and trust me, in my days of of playing baseball, I've got no room to comment on anybody else not making good contact. Right, I, I have zero experience with being a, a, a great hitter. But when literally everyone watching knows where the pitch is going and what's going to happen, it's so frustrating to watch. And, and I, I don't know if there's anything now. What I do know is that Chili Davis, who's a new hitting coach, is more of a – he's less of a mechanics kind of a guy, which is what John Maley, the previous hitting coach, was. Uh, Davis is more about – location you know what what do these pitchers throw in these situations what do you need to be looking for where do you need to be looking for it and so it's possible that a guy like that who's more from the psychological side of things could help with that um then again it's not as if this is some kind of a trick question right like again 
you know what's coming. Everybody else knows what's coming. If you don't know what's coming by this point, you're never going to know. Um, and so <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Can you train that out of him, or is that just a permanent thing that he's going to have? It's, uh, it's kind of the, the again, like I said, the sixty-four million dollar question. That I just don't know that that gets worked out of his system. Well, it's been around since uh, twenty fourteen. You know, that's when he first came up, and uh, you know, exciting player with a lot of power. But uh, at the same time, it, it yeah, he can never quite figured out that that protecting with two strikes situation strikes out way too much. Um, and uh, speaking of uh, people with like a bit of defensive decline, which could also have uh, impact on uh, Hap, if if Baez or let's say somebody like Almora were to be traded, then Hap maybe does slot in somewhere on this team a little bit differently. Um, do you, and in some metrics I saw, uh, it seems that uh, Almora took a big step backwards defensively and, and Hap was shown to have, in some cases, better defensive metrics. Um, what do you think of Almora's? I mean, it, uh, what do you think of him? Just, I'll leave that open there. Yeah, so I, I've been a really big Albert Almora honk from the time they drafted him and, and just kind of watching him play. Um, ha- attended some games, saw him play single A, double A, and, and so forth. And, you know, he came into camp and, and everybody kind of noted how much bigger he, he looked, you know, he, he appeared as though he had bulked up, really hit the weight room. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right. You, <laughs> you know, room, and, uh... yeah, it was like, Oh, whoa, okay. This could be cool. But I think, you know, in an effort to get a little bit more power, at least it, it looks like he sacrificed a little bit of range. Now he's not a super fast guy, but he's always been known for just getting these phenomenal jumps for reading the ball off the bat. But I think we saw, and I, and I think that's the, the funny difference between he and ha- like Hap is, uh, he's the typical, this is what we're always supposed to say about, about white athletes, right? Is that he's sneaky athletic. Um, th- I think that's the, the common term we're supposed to use, but he's Hap is like super fast. Um, but when you watch him, he would be like circling the ball, like a buzzard, you know, and he's taking these weird routes and getting turned around and he'd somehow kind of stick his glove out and snag it at the end. Whereas, you know, Almora is like, all right, I'm drawing a bead to it. I got to jump. I'm there. But the problem with Almora is it looked like he lost a step or two, and he didn't always get to those balls. And so when you kind of compare the two, it's this weird, uh, this weird mix, a, a dichotomy, if you will. Uh, if, now, if Almora can maybe come down a little bit more trimmed out and stop worrying about trying to drive the ball for power so much and focus more on the defense, I think he's still got the capability of being an elite glove out there in center. Whereas Hap, again, I think is going to get by on his athleticism versus his pure talent out there, which is, you know, again, that's fine. We saw it. Um, but if if I had the choice of saying, who who do you want to be a pure center fielder? It would be Almora. Uh, if you're saying, well, who's the better overall just baseball player, raw talent? It's Hap. Yeah, and, and Hap seems, you know, kind of one of those guys. Uh, there's a, uh, a phrase in showbiz that we use. About, it's called talent your way into the chorus. Which is, uh, you know, they they might need you in that show to play like five different roles, and it, it, I think uh, Mike Montgomery talented his way into the chorus. So you don't get to be the star because they need you one night to play, uh, you know, a chorus girl, and the next night you're going to go on for the girl that got bronchitis. You know, because you can do many things, and I think that's where kind of Hap lays. He, he doesn't have a role because he's all of them. You know, so. Whereas I agree, like you even look at Almora, you're like, oh, I bet you play center field. <laughs> you right. know? 
you can guess. Like, oh, yeah, let's let's pick this out. Like, there's a few guys. You know, oh, yeah, Rizzo. Oh yeah, you're a first baseman. For yeah, sure. yeah. You know, and then Kyle Schwarber. Everybody's like, oh yeah, dude, you're a left fielder, except not. But uh, but hey, he's dropped a bunch of weight too. So maybe Almora can get on the Schwarber diet plan, and and then there you go. Yeah, what what do you think about this uh, new trim down? That's actually one of the questions. The the new trim down uh, Schwarber, yay or nay? <laughs> That's from Don Strand. I am I am all about it. And, and again, if there's if there's anybody uh, uh, for whom I carry a brighter torch than Almora, it would definitely be Kyle Schwarber. Uh, that that is you know again, uh, he's he's my favorite player on the team. And and has been. So I'm, a, I'm an Indiana University fan, so with him coming up as a Hoosier. Uh, that's, that was a big deal, but I, I do think, you know, when you look at him, it, it's again, it's a matter of range. It wasn't that good, but I mean, Schwarber actually made some decent plays last year. He has this knack though, for like making a really brutally bad play <laughs> on the big stage. And then everybody's like, Oh, I told you he couldn't play out there. It's like, yeah, well, he was actually kind of league average for a while. And then, then he'll make some, you know, he'll boot a ball and then flip it with his glove again. And, you know, the guy gets an inside the park home run or something when he should have had a single. You know, I was you know, at that. I was at terrible. that game. I was at that game, and it was miserable conditions that day. Miserable. It was rainy and crappy outside. So I don't even blame him for that that particular play that everybody points to, and also like you know, people share this stuff ad nauseum, and then it becomes like this you know resounding uh, gong, you know. Well, yeah, and then you know, with him getting hurt, it's like, oh, he shouldn't have been out there. That's you know, I was like, okay, folks, let's let's you know, let's dial this back. This isn't the first time we've seen anybody collide in the outfield before. Well, the concern, uh, yeah, the concern is not about the fielding. I, I mean, the concern is about the fielding, but the concern is more about does Skinny Schwarber hit less home runs? Yeah, and and well, I guess you know, I would point to uh, Matt Adams in Atlanta, right? When he left, when when Matt Adams was playing in St. Louis. There's a reason they called him Fat Adams. Oh yes, <laughs> he, he was he was kind of a he was kind of a a portly fellow. He was a stocky young man. I'm sure his mother would have called him. And then he gets to Atlanta, and the dude he, he was like a different person. I remember seeing him in bat, and I was like, "Who the hell is this guy? Mm-hmm. That's not Matt Adams." Uh, but he had, I mean, he still struck out a ton. But when he had to play every day in place of Freddie Freeman down there, man, he had a ton of pop. He had a really good season, and so I, I you know, I don't think. I don't think Schwarber's bat speed or anything like that, or his or his power is going to be decreased any uh, by this. If anything else, you know, might actually turn out a little bit better if he's a little bit more explosive out there, and, and maybe it even helps the base running a little bit. I don't I don't know, but I'm I'm bullish on it, if you will. Yeah, no, I I, I think I am too. I mean, you know, just by being somebody who has like gained and lost thirty pounds many times in my life. All I know is my knees hurt a hell of a lot less when I'm uh, down the weight. So it it can only be a good thing to be in shape. And, um, you know, uh, you know, I don't think the power goes away just because, you know, he does have that that kind of, you know, flick wrist sort of like turn on the pitch sort of swing anyway that that tends to end up on top of scoreboards. So, I mean, because when he gets a hold of one. He really gets a hold of one. If he hits it, you know, fifteen feet less, it's still out of the park. <laughs> so, right, you that's, know. yeah, that's the thing is like we saw how much opposite field power he had. Like, okay, 
uh, gee, it might not end up in the 15th row of the bleachers. Maybe it'll only be in the 12th. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, hey, I think we could all live with the that. The basket is still a home run, my friend. Yeah, yeah, right? That's, hey, that's all you've got to do. Like, oh, damn it, it didn't go on top of the scoreboard. He only knocked out a panel. Jeez. <laughs> we're so spoiled. So, and then you brought up Chili Davis a couple times, um, you know, and that's going to be a new thing that we're all going to be watching and looking for. Um, Gary Jones out. Um, third base coach. I don't know what they really do except for pat your butt and tell you to go to home. Um, but I think the big one is, um, it, you know, it, the two big ones, Dave Martinez as the bench coach and uh, also um, the loss of Basio in the, in, in Hickey being the replacement. Um, for me, the big one's going to be Dave Martinez and John Pinkus wants to know if Joe will be lost without him. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. How about, yeah, you know, I know Martinez has been around forever with Madden, although I think if you don't have a backup plan for a guy who's been interviewing for managerial roles for the last several years, uh, you're doing something really, really wrong. So I, I do know that there's there's been a lot of work uh, done on that to kind of prepare some other guys. You know, um, when you think about some of the, the guys they have there, you know, Mike Borzello, who's, you know, listed as like the catching instructor, has been – instrumental in, in setting up different things with whether it be just positioning uh that sort of thing as far as working with the pitchers i mean he's one of the guys that really helped hendrix with his turnaround you know you got brandon hyde who's been around forever and then um who's who Josh is Nell, the new bench coach uh brandon hyde's the new bench coach yeah uh and then the new um gosh who's the other instructor and for the life of me now, I'm, his name is escaping me, and, and I'm going to be mad about this because I can't think of it. The guy who came over, he was with the Red Sox. Anyway, oh, supposedly uh, just yeah, you're talking about uh, the the new third base coach, um, Brian yeah. Butterfield. Yes, Butterfield, Brian Butterfield, right? So this guy, and and again, I'm I'm reading this from other sources. I don't know of anything of this personally, but it's supposedly one of these you know kind of tireless planners, the guy who, who's just really into the defensive positioning and, and preparation and, and that sort of thing. And I think that's really what Martinez was was good at, was kind of doing the scouting and the prep work and, and that sort of thing. And so I think having Butterfield in the mix will really help them from that aspect. So you've sort of got, rather than, you know, you're not really going a one-to-one replacement for Martinez, but you're sort of bringing in two or three other guys or, or shifting them around and sort of replacing what he brought to the table with what these two or three other guys bring. And, and I think in that regard, I, I don't know that we're even going to notice a difference, right? As a casual fan, I don't think that's going to be evident. And if anything else, maybe, you know, like you said earlier, uh, sometimes it's just a matter of bringing in a fresh voice and getting a change uh, from some of these guys, because over time you kind of develop that, uh, that tin ear and you just aren't hearing what these guys are saying. And so maybe this is a, a good thing and they needed to kind of shift this around. Yeah, I, I think that's especially true of young players. You know, these, I mean, there's still quite a few dudes in their early 20s on the Cubs. And, uh, you know, I know that anything you want to learn in life, whether it be a musical instrument or a foreign language or, or whatever it is, you learn from one teacher and then at some point, uh, yeah, you do have to move on and get a different perspective. And you can only grow from being able to communicate with other people about the same subject and uh, you're only going to learn more things it's not like you know everything that M- Mally taught them is going to be out the window I hope 
because, you know, we saw some pretty good offensive years for the Cubs uh, under his uh, tutelage, even though he himself was a shitty hitter. I don't know if you ever looked at his stats. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it, I, think, I think a lot of those guys are, right? You see some of these, like, Phil Jackson wasn't a very good, you know, he was kind of a dude. He was there, played for the Knicks or whatever. Uh, but it's, it's kind of like some of these guys can impart their wisdom uh, much more readily than they can actually put it into play themselves, you know, because they were kind of sitting there having to watch. Right. When, when you're forced to sit, watch, if you're just an awesome hitter born and, and you just kind of come at now again, I know a lot of people say it always takes hard work, but you know, again, some of these great athletes who can just kind of go out there and they just do uh, can't then impart that to someone else because they're like, Oh <laughs> shoot. Uh, you're not, you know, uh, Chris Bryant trying to tell somebody, Oh geez, you're not six, five and two twenty with this beautiful swing and these long <laughs> legs that carry you around the bases in five strides. Um, yeah, just be like me. Yeah, it's me. like, well, dude, I'm I'm five ten and a buck fifty, and uh, and I'm I have bow legs and I can't move, so that's not helping me. You yeah, know, but so if, I think it's being that guy who's on the short end of the stick, maybe you can pass that on a little bit better. Yeah, he's, yeah. He, Chris Bryant can't even be like, uh, even start with a dude, a stubby dude that's five ten to even tell you how to even go. Like he couldn't tell Evan Gaddis how to play, and I don't think. Um, you know, vice versa. There's even dudes that have had uh, success in the major league level that probably don't know how each other got to where they're at, even though they do similar things, you know, just physically. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the paths are so different and the way these guys prepare and go about it. And I think that's what's really important at this level of the game is, is not to be like, Hey, here's how I'm telling you to do this. Like, um, hi, yes, this is Chris Bryant. He won the golden spikes award in college. He was the the rookie of the year. He was the MVP. His eyes sparkle uh, like <laughs> like the the most azure, beautiful lakes uh, in the world. And so you are not here to tell him what to do. You're just here to kind of help him out if he needs it, and and maybe look at some things and tweak some stuff. Like you don't need to be dictating to these guys what to do. Just try to work with them and maybe find this area, uh, uh, you know, a small bit of improvement that they can make incrementally over time. Uh, it, you know, and that's what it kind of worries me about uh, Jason Hayward, who they're trying to make these big tweaks like, hey, the dude's swing is jacked up, but look what he did for most of his career with that jacked up swing. Uh, kind of just stop messing with it and maybe just let him do him because it worked out pretty well until he got to Chicago. Uh, so I don't know. I, I have mixed feelings on this. Like these guys, you know, again, they made it to where they are because they're pretty damn good. Maybe let's not try to mess that up. Yeah, I, I know that, you know, the the word on uh, Jake Arrieta in Baltimore, he had a lot of uh, complaints about being tweaked all the time. And, uh, you know, it's possibly it's possible that that is the Hayward thing. I mean, it was kind of ridiculous, you know, we, I, I think it was your website that had the, the great um, new swing video that I stole from my Hayward's new swing song, <laughs> just because the whole thing seemed ridiculous to me, you know, and I was just like. Oh man, I, I mean, because that was you know another off season story. Oh, Jason Hayward's in the in the cages, and look at his hands are lower. He seems to be more centered over his legs. I mean, it was just so fun to listen uh, for like a good week to everybody breaking apart every tiny little detail. Of what was the thing? I mean, we had a video. guy in the bushes on on the backfields, like you know, surreptitiously videotaping this, like. We got this exclusive stuff, and it was like this is this is how rabid and how how just insane we all are about this. <laughs> exactly. It's like that was a huge deal. Like that was a huge deal. Like he's tweaking his sweep. Look what he's doing. Look at these drills. 
it's but, February and he's working. I'm like, oh my uh, god, really? Have, like have, this, this is this is the big. But uh, such is life, I guess. When there's literally nothing else going on at the time to yeah. write about or to think about. Well, uh, you just wrote about uh, Chris Bryant being the leadoff hitter. Um, you know, that seems like a, an idea that's been floated out uh, there a little bit, just mostly because of the Cubs' lack of a kind of quintessential leadoff hitter. I mean, um, so what, how, what? how do you come down on that? So it's, you know, and I wrote about it first back in September. And, uh, and you know, I think I, I mentioned here earlier, you know, we could look at, if you look at the end of the season numbers, and it's like, hey, the Cubs had like the second most runs in the National League or whatever, uh, you know, most home runs. And, and if you just looked at the aggregate numbers, it's great. But I think the trouble was, they were they were never consistent. They clearly struggled in the leadoff spot, right? Whether that was Schwarber or Zobrist. I mean, obviously Joe Madden put there for a little over a week, and he and he mashed for a while. But there's nobody, you know, un, uh, unless we see Ben Zobrist's corpse resurrected and, and he's, <laughs> he can actually play well again up there. There's not really a, you know, is it is it Javier Baez? Is it is it Albert Amora? You know, there's not a guy who you can really say definitively is a leadoff hitter. But if you look at Bryant, I mean, okay, he's got the highest on-base percentage of the team. He's obviously he's got power, which is you know kind of not necessary there. But if gosh, if you can hit a home run to open a game, the winning percentage goes way up. Uh, he's super fast. He's smart running the bases, and he's batted leadoff before. He hit there in college. So there's a lot of things that say this guy's your best leadoff hitter. And I think all things being equal he would be the Cubs' best leadoff hitter. But if because he's just the Cubs' best hitter overall, he would be the Cubs' best hitter in any position you put him in. Uh, and given how much better historically he has actually hit with men on base, I think the key is you, you don't want to waste his production by having him bat that much more often with no runners on or having him bat following the pitcher or coming up right after the bottom of the lineup. I, I think what you need is for him to be in the second or third spot and to have a more consistent production out of that leadoff spot, which I think it'd be almost impossible not to do. They just did not do well out of the leadoff spot. Um, but again, there, there's worse things they can do. I mean, it, and it's funny because people look at it like, Oh, he strikes out too much. Like, you know, the guy had a four Oh nine on base percentage over the last, since he's coming to the league, he ranks in the top 11 spots in all of major league baseball. Everyone in terms of, I think he's something like seventh and on base percentage. His weighted o uh, OBA is in the top ten, uh, or maybe eleventh, something like that. His his uh, runs created is in the top ten. His base running numbers are in the top five or six. I mean, he's a phenomenal hitter. But if you talk about a guy who you need to create runs, he's got to bat lower in the lineup. But again, I don't know where they fill that leadoff spot though. So it, I'm I'm a little torn. Well, um, you know, we always make fun of KB, mostly because we hate him for his good looks, and uh, we're all just terribly jealous of him. But we've also uh, kind of noticed his, um, you know, ru uh, runners in scoring position um, numbers were down, and so we've got a little name for him. We call him Clutch instead of Clutch. <laughs> so, uh, and so when I think about Brian in the leadoff spot, I also kind of think about like, well, maybe that could be good. You know, he'd be out there, no pressure. You know, nobody's ever on base. He could just be a role player. And if he hits the solo shot, um, 
why not? I mean, it reminds me of like maybe a Soriano situation. Yeah, I mean, you have a guy like that who's who's up there, and I think you know the other thing that it does if you talk about psychologically, like okay, hi, here's the MVP of the league, dudes hit you know thirty some home runs every season, and who can mash, and this is the first guy the pitcher's got to face right out of the box, and and the guy who's going to take pitches as well, right? So he's going to make that pitcher work. It's going to put him in a in a tougher situation right there with that first at bat, and you know that can set a tone. And again, if you can score a run, um, I was, I, something I had in that in that piece. I think these numbers are close enough that a leadoff home run by the visiting team gives them a fifty-six percent chance to win. Um, a leadoff home run by the home team in the bottom of the inning to open the scoring gives them a seventy percent chance to win. They can't hit a home run every single game, but uh, you know, uh, you talk about a guy who's going to hit forty home runs. Chances are he'll hit some of those in that leadoff spot. And there you go. Uh, who cares? You have runners in scoring position. You don't need him. And he's in scoring position when he's at home plate with as many home runs as he can hit. So, um, and that's one of those weird little things. Like, hey, does it ever work out? Actually, uh, who knows? But maybe. Um, you you went lollipop, uh, demonic lollipop, yes. killed again. I don't know if you could hear it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna hang up and come right back on. Sorry about that. I don't know what no the f- I don't know what the fuck, man. That was happening over and over during our, our taping the other day too. A, a Google Hangout issue or something hmm. just causes me to actually have to edit. But that's okay. We're gonna um, wrap it up uh, very shortly. I, you're so generous with your time. I told you a half hour, knowing full well we were gonna chat our faces <laughs> off because that's how I'm it, in an hour and a half. Now. Yeah. Um, well, you know, you've got a lot to say, and I think there's, you know, it's kind of gonna be. An interesting season that's uh, coming up, and uh, you know, there's. I, I kind of like the fact that there are still um, y- that there are going to be new people on the team, fresh blood. We're going to say goodbye to M- Mr. John Lackey, uh, most likely. Um, that, that looks hopefully likely, <laughs> but, right? Um, but you know, just going to be uh, Arietta will be gone. You know, it, it'll just be kind of a different look for the team, and and um, you know. We all trust Theo at this point. Uh, if you don't, you're an idiot because we won. But um, I'm wondering who you think is um, going to be the opening day roster. Like, uh, if you had to, you know, go, you know, all the way around the diamond and tell me the starting nine, uh, it might be too early to say. But what do you think? Yeah. So I mean, I, I think uh, obviously at the corners, I, I well, actually, and then home. So I, I think if we're looking at, uh, you know, Wilson Contreras, Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant. Those are no brainers. Um, Hayward out and right. Uh, Russell, uh, again, let's say, barring a trade, uh, Russell and Baez starting up the middle. Uh, I think you're going to see Almora, Schwarber. And then we're looking at what Zobrist is, is kind of that backup, hopefully, very much a, a backup role, all things considered. Although, again, uh, Joe Madden loves him too much. Uh, we've got the, I think the starting rotation of the, the four we named earlier, at least. So Hendricks, Lester, Quintana, Chatwood, you've got Montgomery, you've got Morrow, Ciszek, Edwards, um, Stropey. I know I'm, uh, yeah, Pedro Strope, um, Grim, somehow, maybe. somehow Grimmer, uh, made the guy, I'm still kind of <laughs> shocked by the fact that he was tendered, but he's, he's not too expensive. So he's in there. Um, you know, I, I think we're going to see Maples make the roster. I still think they do add another starter. So I think you're looking at that. And then, you know, I got to think they go out there. Oh, La Stella, So there's another one, right? He's in there. 
Uh, and then you know, they've got to probably go out there and find another oh, Hap. Right? I don't think I mentioned that. And they, they probably go out and find another bat somewhere. So I, I wasn't actually counting how many we got up to, and I think I'm probably missing somebody else in the well, bullpen I, well, uh, in there somewhere. But... We're missing a backup catcher. The most important role ah, on the catcher. team. Who needs a backup catcher? <laughs> Put some pads on Javi. He's good. Um, I mean, no, I, you know, uh, right now, I think if they had to go into the season as it is, it, it'd be Victor Caratini. Um, you know, I mean, why go out and pay for another guy? Although, I, you know, we talk about guys getting traded, and I think, gosh, a switch-hitting catcher, with some pretty solid pop who, you know, has a ways to go defensively. But I think a guy like that could bring back some value because what, what good is he going to do as, as Contreras backup, you know, assuming Wilson stays healthy, you don't need a, a guy like that who could, you know, his, his value is so negligible playing once a week. Uh, gosh, maybe you could move him for somebody of value at, uh, at, at what he's got. But, you know, again, I, I think I go into it with him as the backup right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I feel like the Cubs are just kind of in a holding pattern because they feel like they've maybe got the talent to at least get out of the gate with some gusto, and um, and it could be a situation like the Washington Nationals were in last year, where they made moves down the line that made them a better team. Of course, they were still managed by Dusty Baker and lost to the Cubs, but um, but it's it felt like it feels like the Cubs this year can maybe go into this season with uh, just kind of all hands on deck sort of see what happens situation and make and make some some plays later um of course we we would we hope that we get one of the top 3 starters i mean i would love uh, you were kind of a demonic lollipop gilding when you were talking about darvish but i, I think that's my hope too is that that's who we end up with um you know, I th- I think he would as be... long as nobody drops a as long as nobody drops a house on him or something like that, right? <laughs> and then, then I would have to sing to Dorothy. Is that <laughs> what we do at that point? I don't. Maybe not. That uh, I guess uh, Wizard of Oz fans maybe we'll get that otherwise. Just uh, no, an no, awful, I, awful joke. No, it's 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 a wonderful joke. Um, and I'm lo- really hoping for you, Darvish, uh, for my own reasons because there are so many songs with you in the title that I can parody. Um. About about you, Darvish. You know, till there was you, um, you shook me all night long. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like so. See, I, I think the the Bismarck key. You know, you got what I need. He's say he's just a friend, yeah, and yeah. There, there could be some other things you. in there. And the yeah. hook on that is just fantastic. So, uh, you know, yeah, the, yeah. It, it it I can write songs. I can basically make an entire double album of you, Darvish songs, pretty much within a day. So, I'm, I'm this is this is I, I have now you know again had I not already felt this way this is this is just this has galvanized my opinion because I'm I'm looking forward to uh the the double LP you know and I, I would like I, I'll I'll buy that on vinyl uh, when it's when it's released <laughs> it'll be like uh John and Yoko's uh, double fantasy just absolutely oh boy in that case break, break up the band baby <laughs> so uh, am I going to see you out at the unconventional during the uh, I, Cubs I, convention, could so. be around. I, I, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll definitely be up there. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens, but I'll, I'll be at the convention. But I know that was a lot of fun last year, so absolutely, we'll be at that. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun, and we're going to uh, benefit. Uh, you know, I have you been out to uh, Stewart's Club Four Hundred? I have the, not. The Cubs, man. Yeah, you got to go check it out out there. Um, uh, it's it, it's pretty. It's a sight to behold. It's the greatest fan cave you've ever seen. 
and uh, he does a lot of great work raising money for people um, who who need it. Um, it's his motto is Cubs fans helping Cubs fans, and mm. uh, we're going to be benefiting him at the unconventional. Um, you know, there's no it's a free it's just a party to hang out for the most part. But we figure as long as we're all together, I might as well raff off a, raffle off a, a John Baker bobblehead and uh, some some shit I got from Wrigley Field that people want more than I do. Right. So might as well, right? I mean, hey, if you can get you know, get people liquored up a little bit, and then uh, and then have them bid on stuff that otherwise they might not even know they wanted, and then you know, hey, I get five beers deep, and and all of a sudden it's the coolest thing ever, and I got to part with a lot of money to get it. Yeah. So, all of a sense. all of a sudden you've got a handful of raffle tickets and a and a dream. Yeah, exactly. You know, you just keep. Oh, what is it's like the fifty fifty at Wrigley, where it's like it keeps going up. Oh, what I get a thousand numbers for forty dollars. <laughs> Sign me up. Deal. I'll never be able to. I, I can't see all of them on this card, and I'll never be able to pick out whether I'm a winner or not. But hell yeah, man, I'm in. If you so, if, if you can manage to hang on to your ticket, yeah. Which I that's why we give them to the. I gave them to my my teenage cousin the last time. I was like, all right, you're in charge because <laughs> I'm not going to be able to read these later. Yeah, if there's one thing I know about teenagers is they're great with money. <laughs> oh yeah, clearly. And keeping track hey, uh, of things. You, you keep track of this. That's <laughs> but that's when you know when you're in the bleachers at Wrigley. Uh, even a teenager seems like a responsible choice. <laughs> oh, it is. Well, uh, you made a, a very irresponsible choice by becoming a, a Cubs blogger, as as I made an irresponsible choice of being a Cubs podcaster. But um, I'm glad we could cross paths today, and uh, you can give everybody your perspective because um, you have one of the best ones around, and I, I appreciate you coming on the show and uh, making everybody no a little Go bit more me. enlightened as to uh, as to how they should feel about things. Sounds good to me. I, I love enlightening people. Or, or just, just hearing the sound of my own voice, whichever one works out better. Well, now you can hear it um, uh, all day long as I upload this episode and you can listen back to our conversation and relive the, me- the memories of uh, talking to me. <laughs> that, that, that's really, at the end of the day, that is what I'm in this for, is just to, to, to make lifelong memories and, uh, and, and become like, make 50 cents i was going to say become rich but i, I just want to make like 50, 50. or 60 cents hey, that, that, at this by the end of the day enough to afford to buy half a raffle ticket at uh at the unconventional convention well that's that's good money back in 1908 so yeah that's that's really what we're doing here right yeah. it's uh it's it's uh but it is it's it's a lot of fun so i again i appreciate uh being on and just having the chance to to kind of conversate if you will Right on, man. We'll go pl- plug away your uh, website. Where, where, do, where does everybody find you? Yeah, just check it out. Uh, so CubsInsider.com. Uh, so if you want to go visit there or if you just want to follow us on Twitter, it's uh, at RealCubsInsider. Uh, we're also CubsInsider on uh, on Facebook. So, uh, you know, all our articles are posted there. Uh, the, the Twitter feed will generally have some little videos and memes and that sort of thing as well. Uh, and then, you know, the site has got uh, some pretty solid stuff on myself and, and a lot of other uh, relatively talented folks. And, of course, Cubs Inside Her is uh, going to be coming up very soon. Yes, and- that is that is that is currently uh, gestating. If you, uh, you know, if, um, <laughs> Mo- monitoring we'll it's monitoring pregnant bears around the world. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, we're gonna we're gonna just have live shots of like <laughs> dens in Yellowstone Park and and maybe you know the occasional article. Oh yeah, D- don't hibernate on that one, everybody. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, we could sit here telling dad jokes all day, but we won't. And uh, th- thanks for being on the show, Evan. And uh, I really appreciate all you do uh, for uh, to enhance Cubs fandom. No problem, man. Thanks a lot. Yeah, later, brother. All right, later. No ring upon my finger because I am just a fan And I spent most of my money on sausages and beer And I was there when they won it last year All pressured anticipation had the city tightly wrought With a 5-3 combination as the sailing ball was caught Half a dozen generations who had lived to see the day The Cubs would take the season all the way Now we're coming back to Wrigley Yeah, we're coming back to Wrigley in triumph bring the foreign trophy home like old Caesar on the Appian way back in ancient Rome while the cities of the vanquished have to turn around and look as history's inscribed into the books now we're coming back to Wrigley
Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. A new year is a new chance to focus on you. You're probably already picturing yourself struggling at the gym, but not all self-help has to mean suffering. Squeeze.com is making it easier than ever to elevate your wellness by delivering a juice cleanse right to your doorstep. It's the easiest juice cleanse you'll ever do that may aid in weight loss, eliminating bloating, clearing your skin, boosting your energy levels, improving sleep, and breaking bad eating habits. Meet all your health goals from the comfort of your home. Get free same-day local delivery or fast free delivery nationwide with code WONDERY today at squeezed.com.